Hello and welcome to the HTB Discipleship Podcast. This month, we're looking back on an exciting month in the life of HTB, including the Leadership Conference and a sermon series on the Book of Acts centered around Pentecost Sunday. To help us look back and celebrate our highlights from the last month, we sat down with Andy Wooldridge and Selena Stone. Andy is on the discipleship team at HTB, looking after what we do as a church in prayer. And Selena is a lecturer at St. Melitis College in Political Theology. As well as that, Anna from the HTB Discipleship Team leads us in a prayerful reflection off the back of an exciting month. So do enjoy. Here's Andy and Selena. Well, we've got Selena Stone in the studio with us today. Selena and I have known each other for about eight years. Is that right? Feels like 20. Wow. (laughs) It's a strong start. So we went to Bible College in the north of England together, Pentecostal Bible College, in fact. Um, So we go way back, but it's our privilege to interview her today. She is a... Um, a lecturer at St. Melitus in political theology and is also doing a PhD, wait for this, in Pentecostalism, discipleship and citizenship. Yes. Wow. It's crazy. I mean, it's a joy, but it's just a lot to do in one PhD, isn't it, really? That sounds remarkable. (laughs) Let me know uh, when you're finished with that and we'll uh, we'll email it out to all of our (laughs) listeners for free. That would be great. Um, So today we're particularly going to be looking at a couple of areas, but we've just uh, not too long ago finished LC18. Uh, You spoke at LC18? I did, I did. Did you enjoy that? How did that go? It was an amazing experience. So I was on a panel um, that Paul Cowley hosted at Simulitis, and we just had an amazing conversation about justice and society, um, the way that people can respond to different people in society who are vulnerable. I mean, I left feeling so inspired. I was really glad to go first, because I could just kind of listen to everybody else and take notes. Sure. It was fascinating. Nice. Um, so, obviously, a major focus of, of the leadership conference is, is leadership. Mm. Um, so from your background, from your heart, and from your theological study as well, how would you define the idea of leadership? I think it's interesting. I always think, actually, if we're thinking about Christian leadership, then we kind of have to begin, I think, with discipleship and with Christ, because I think the Christ in Christian is what makes Christian leadership Christian. Um, And I think often if we start with leadership, we can easily start to kind of talk about different models of having power and control, which we see all around the world in different sectors. Um, And we can start to try to Christianise those models rather than thinking about actually, who is Christ? How does he serve? How is he present among us? And how does that shape the way that we see ourselves and the way that we lead? Um, So I tend to think about us being disciples first and then as disciples who lead and then think about what being a disciple looks like. Um, And I think it kind of involves a little bit of, I guess, doing the work of the kingdom, um, pointing to the Father, proclaiming the gospel, obeying, obeying the spirit of God and seeing what that looks like in different sectors, which is the exciting bit. Amazing. So thinking about this idea then as as Jesus, as a, as a model for our leadership. Um, are there aspects of, of the way he lived, the way he led that particularly inspire you? Mm. I think I've been really um, struck lately by the humility of Jesus and the idea that he kind of leaves glory aside to take on flesh and live among us as a human being. And I think we can get so used to that idea because we talk about it so much, we sing about it so often. Um, but I think the very act of of taking on flesh and living among people 
when he is actually God is a real signal to us about the way that we should handle power and the way that we should think about leadership. Mm. Um, that it's not something that we kind of hold onto and grasp for ourselves, but something we're willing to kind of hold quite lightly for the sake of a greater purpose. And I think it's something that really is quite distinctive about the way the way who Jesus is and the way that he leads in comparison with how we see leadership modelled so often where, you know, people want to grasp onto power so much and often because people have great ideas and things they want to do to change the world. But I think the means to changing the world is as important as the end in itself. Um, and if we kind of trample over people in order to do justice, is that really just? Mm. Do we actually need to think about how we're loving people along the way as well as the place that we're trying to get to? Amazing. Is there, is there a danger in talking about humility and leadership together that um, it could almost become quite passive or this kind of like this, this meek leadership? Is, is it possible? How do they fit together? Do you end up not leading if you're going for humility? I think there's a, I think we can see that in some um, areas where actually humility can be used as an excuse to just do nothing. Um, in the same way that, you know, consulting with people can be used as an excuse to just basically do nothing or, you know, do something really small that doesn't have huge impact. And I think, I guess, in Jesus, we see humility, but that's actually a humility to the will of God that is actually driving him forward. Mm. And his submission is not to kind of just, you know, have a cigar in the garden <laughs> or whatever Jesus might do. <laughs> Um, but it's actually a submission to the will of God that is actually quite a huge vision of transforming the whole of creation. And I think that having that vision in, in his mind actually pushes him to act and doesn't allow him to just become complacent. Uh, and so I think as leaders, it is about us having that balance of having a huge vision in our hearts that really motivates us. Um, a real ability to listen to the needs of the world and to the spirit of God, but to not think it all depends on us and to actually be able to hold that lightly. Mm, that's beautiful. So um, this whole idea then of, of Jesus being a role model for leadership, is there anybody that you, you know who has particularly inspired you who in kind of a, a faith capacity of, of leading like Jesus? I worked with a really great priest in my old job. He was called Angus. And, um, and what struck me about Angus actually was that he drew together those two things of he was a man of great vision he was always every time I saw him he had a new idea of a project he wanted to do he had some kind of new um concept that he wanted to explore a new person that he wanted to employ to try something different and he was always imagining something new for the communities that he worked with but he was somebody who was very humble and able to listen to us. And I remember in one meeting that we had with him and we were talking about the strategy of the charity that we were working for. And he was like crossing things off that he'd had there for years because people had said to him, oh, maybe that's not such a great idea and had given him something that he recognised as better. And to have the ability as a kind of director of a charity to say, we're going to kind of scrap what I've suggested because actually we've got some new people with some fresh ideas that sound really interesting and we're going to try that completely blew me away because I hadn't really experienced that kind of leader before and I the kind of leadership I had experienced was kind of you know very the leader has a vision and he runs with it and everybody basically just kind of pulled along in this in this path behind him and I never imagined that somebody who was more senior than me would ever take my idea seriously um so I always experienced Angus as a very humble leader somebody who um I think modelled to me the kind of leadership that Christ exemplified. 
and something I would like to model, although I'm definitely not as good a person as he was, I think, in some ways. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's a genuine challenge, isn't it? Because it mm. feels like humility is one of those things that if you pursue it, are you growing more humble yes, in growing for, yeah. in trying to become more humble? Um, so, so how do you begin to cultivate mm. this kind of this heart of humility? You know, I think there's something about, I think life teaches you humility if you're open to learning. I think there's something, as you said, about that false humility where someone's like trying their best to pretend to not have power when they really do or trying to not, you know, control, but really they're still like under the surface trying to do it. And I think life teaches you humility through the things that we struggle with. Like in each of our lives, we have something that feels that we'd rather not have it, like a cross to bear or whatever we might call it. And I think that those things that we have in our lives are there to teach us that we're not in control. And if we're attentive to those things, I think they allow us to become more humble, to realise that actually we don't have the power to change everything and not everything is down to us. And then that can shape the way that we are as a person. So I think we have to be open to receiving from those things that we'd rather not have and being open to say, actually, I'd rather not have this situation. I'd rather not be dealing with this. But since I am, how is that going to form me as a Christian? How am I going to like accept that? And maybe God will take it for me and maybe he won't. But either way, I can be humbled in accepting that from God and see how much that will transform the way that we are. So good. So good. Um, so, so many standout moments at Leadership Conference. Um, any particular highlights for you? I mean, people have spoken about Brian Stevenson so much. Mm. So I kind of don't want to repeat what I have to repeat <laughs> because... I think I listened to that talk and it kind of just drew together all of the the deep feelings that I have in my own heart about justice and why it's important. Mm -hmm. And I think he painted such an amazing picture of why justice is about action, not just words. And I think, and I struggle a little bit with this as a lecturer, of course, I talk about justice all the time. And actually I think sometimes we get really comfortable talking about justice and talking about how much things need to be different. But if we actually thought about our kind of day-to-day -day life and our weeks, you know, our budget, what we spend our money on, like, do we really think and care about justice practically? Um, you know, when we, we, we can kind of write papers and write books and teach about it, but I think what he, what he shared on at, at LC18 really, like, shook us, I think, from that sense of comfort and made us realise actually we need to do something about this as well. Um, we can polish our ideas and polish all of our, you know, theology around justice and we can, you know, get some really good tweets going. But actually, if we really want to help people who are vulnerable, if we really want to, like, change the world for the sake of the people who are the least and the lost, we really are going to have to just be uncomfortable and do something. And everything he shared, I, I wanted to stand up and clap. Being Pentecostal, obviously, I wanted to shout hallelujah all the time and like like stomp my feet and like stand up and say, go Brian, preach it. But I kind of held back and thought people may not appreciate that. Um, but I just thought it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. Because this is kind of such a thing close to your heart and, mm. and as you say, you, you lecture on these areas. What about for people who are maybe listening or heard Brian Stevenson speak about this need for justice and just thought, man, the need is so great. What can little old I do as, as a person working 70 hours in business every week or as a teacher or as a stay-at-home mother or as a, as a single person trying to find a, a job? Um, 
when the need feels so big? Sure. I mean, I think that's why starting with discipleship makes sense because actually we're all disciples. Even if we are, even if we're a stay-at-home mom and we think that's nothing or we're a teacher or we're just a young person going to college, like each of us is learning how we follow Christ where we are. So that call to justice is a call for all of us, wherever we are. And we don't have to be, you know, a human rights lawyer for that to be part of our calling. We don't have to give our whole career over to, you know, getting people off death row. But actually, it's in our little spaces, are we conscious of the need to relate well to others and to call um, our communities to, to a better way of being. You know, in our families, are we able to do that? Do, when we're raising our kids, are we able to, to encourage just relationships between our children? Are we encouraging them to make friends with kids who are on the street? Are we, do we get to know our neighbours? Are we attentive to the needs of people that are needy around us? Like, it's all those little ways that that can happen. Um, I think about people who I've known in my life who are not, you know, hugely significant leaders. I would never get to speak at conference, for example, but they've really shown me what it is to be someone who cares about justice. It's people like my mom or my grandmother or my dad and my just random people in my church who just really were attentive to the needs of people around them um, and took responsibility for fighting on their behalf for what they needed to have a life of flourishing. Amazing. Over the last few weeks in our Sunday services, as well as our connect groups, we've been looking at the book of Acts, particularly Acts 1, 2 and 3. Um, and I wanted to say if we could talk just a little bit about uh, particularly Pentecost yes. uh, and and just see where we can go from there. So the Holy Spirit seems really kind of central to the the birthing of the church at the, in the book of Acts. Uh, so it's, it's formation and it's kind of its, its growth. Um, what, what goes in your, your head, Selena, and, and your heart as you, you hear about the role of the Spirit in the church? I mean, I think it's, I really love the start of Acts and just the telling of this story of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And it, I think it's because the way that it's set up is like Jesus is here and he's ascending and he's like, guys, I'm leaving, but hang on because I've got a gift for you. Mm. And they're just kind of together waiting for this gift to arrive. And in the, and the anticipation of them expecting this thing that they were hoping for and wondering what it was going to be like when the Holy Spirit came. And then the passage in Acts 2, which tells us about the Holy Spirit coming and, you know, tongues of fire and all of this happening. And it's just, for me, I think a sign of the fulfillment of God's promise um, and a sense that actually they had no idea what it was going to look like when it arrived, but it came as it was promised and things were just never the same for them after that. And the idea that actually the church couldn't really be the church until the Holy Spirit came. And and what I love about it as well is that it's not a kind of self-indulgent kind of thing where, you know, let's have the Holy Spirit so we can just get spiritually high all the time. But actually it's, let's be full of the Spirit so we can go and do some stuff that's going to really change the world. Um, and I think that there's something really amazing about that mission that, yes, we need to be transformed, but it's not so that we can become comfortable kind of comparing the size of our halos, but it's actually so that we can go out and do the things that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Mm, yeah, so good. Because um, there definitely is a danger, isn't there, that we, we sometimes think the Holy Spirit now is, is simply for us to experience more of God. Uh, but as you say, there seems to be this kind of real sending out in the book of Acts. It's we receive, but then we, we kind of go. Um, what could that look like in our lives? And so there's an amazing kind of picture of the Holy Spirit coming in, in Acts 2, kind of 2,000 years ago. But in London, 2018 now, for us as a, as a church, being filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, what, what could that look like? 
I mean, I think the exciting thing is that we don't exactly know. And I think what we see in Acts is that the church doesn't even really imagine exactly what it's going to look like. And it doesn't imagine that Gentiles, for example, are going to be brought into the church. Like at that point, it's all Jews waiting around for the spirit. And they didn't imagine that actually the wall was going to come down between Jews and Gentiles and suddenly Gentiles were going to be let in. And suddenly like, it just becomes something that they didn't even think was possible. And I think for us in London today, it's about thinking, well, what could we possibly imagine the Holy Spirit could actually want to do in London in 2018? Like, we've probably seen a lot of things up until now that we've become used to, things that we think, oh, yeah, we kind of... We've seen the Holy Spirit do that, we've seen that kind of happen, but if we, like, took off, like, the limit of our imagination and thought, what would actually... What would the work of the Spirit actually look like in 2018? What kind of people would become part of the church in 2018? What kind of community would we actually have? You know, what kind of people would be coming into the church? You know, how would it, what would it feel for us to actually be inside the building? Would we have buildings? Like, what would it actually be? And I think that's the exciting thing, is that the attentiveness to the Spirit and the waiting for the Spirit actually allows us to do things that are beyond what we would even have imagined. So the answer is, I just really don't know, but it's exciting to find out, I guess. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And it almost brings in some of those themes of reconciliation, Mm. which was kind of an an overall image for LC18, wasn't it? Yes. Um, And I suppose, yeah, that that beautiful picture of these completely different people from different backgrounds coming together, but but somehow finding this kind of unity Mm. uh, in the spirit. so we we have this amazing story in Acts two of the the Holy Spirit coming in in power as the this group of kind of people have have met together and have been praying, um, and we see the formation kind of, of of the church over the coming chapters. But but that kind of sends out individuals as well to to live out in the the power of the Spirit. And we see amazing healings take place and and Peter and and John and people going out. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Lena, on on kind of that journey from experiencing the Holy Spirit as we gather together, maybe in our connect groups or on Sundays, but then then walking in the, the life and the power of the Spirit in our day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. I think that those gathered spaces are like hubs, really, where you kind of experience that solidarity of being with other believers and really being shaped by each other. Um, and then wherever you are, you then carry that with you. And I feel like we laughed about being Pentecostal, but I remember growing up and actually having this this real consciousness of everywhere I walked I brought the Holy Spirit with me Mm. and because we talked about the Holy Spirit so much and being full of the Spirit being anointed by the Spirit I remember being like in school and just being conscious of like the Holy Spirit was with me all the time and he may just speak to me about that girl who's sitting next to me at class and if I'm on the bus then he might just talk to me about that guy that I'm sitting next to because it was just so so much in my consciousness and I think there's something about when we're gathered together that we really wait on God and receive from him but also be aware of the fact that he leaves with us as well when we've left that church and when he's left when we've left our connect group that we haven't kind of left him there to come back to him next week he's actually walked with us out of the door onto the bus onto the tube as we're going about our business um, and as we walk in that I think that really transforms the way that we are in our in our day-to-day lives oh so good. So it's, it's almost this expectation yes, idea, isn't it? Yes. That, that we we're not just expecting to to experience the Holy Spirit yes. when we gather together on yes. a Sunday, but but that we can expect to hear His mm. voice and to see His power in our day to day living, whether yeah. it be at home or in the school uh, playground or, or at yeah, work. Totally. Uh, it shifts your thoughts towards yeah, it, doesn't it? Yeah. 
what do you think you're uh, you're most grateful for in your experience of the Holy Spirit growing up as a as a child? I think um, it has to be being a young child, like ten. And I remember it like it was yesterday, being at church and a lady gave me a word when I was 10 years old that she had for me. And I remember her speaking to me and thinking, this sounds so absolutely bizarre, but also really right. And I had no reason to believe this word she'd given to me. Mm. And I remember thinking as if God has spoken to this woman for her to then speak to me as a child. That he's like interrupted this grown woman's like life to give her something to give to me as a 10 year old. And it just made me so aware of God's interest in me as a Mm. young child. And that has always, that has carried me throughout my whole life. That moment has. So powerful. And it's amazing to have that growing up as a young person at church. Amazing. So powerful. Uh, Sandy Miller, who was the the previous vicar of HCB before uh, Nikki uh, Gumbel, um, he, he would talk about the Holy Spirit being you you know the presence of the Holy Spirit is active because the the love of God mm, is is present yeah and uh, just that whole idea of when the Holy Spirit moves people grow in the love yes, of God and yes, they yes. know His love more and they fall more in yeah. love with Him um, amazing experience of the Holy Spirit well Selena Stone thank you so much for your time thank today you for, for sharing me. your heart for sharing a bit of your Pentecostal background <laughs> with us thank you uh, may we catch all of that and. Uh, <laughs> and we pray blessing on you for your PhD. Thank you, and, uh, Just email us at discipleship <laughs> at htv.org if you want Selena to send you her 100,000 words on citizenship, Pentecostalism, and discipleship. At LC18, we heard stories of reconciliation between churches and families. These stories came in from across the globe, and it was incredibly encouraging to hear about the impact that God is having in the lives of so many people. We were reminded of the importance of restoring friendships and harmony. This restoration of harmony is not only limited to be between humans. God seeks reconciliation between us and him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, we read that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. This is amazing, and it gives an incredible example of what unconditional love looks like. Why not take a moment now to ask yourself, am I counting people's sins against them? If, like me, the answer is yes, pause to think of that person or the people that you would like to reconcile with. For some of us, it might be a time to reconcile with God. With this in mind, find a quiet place and put the events of the day to one side. Give yourself some time to slow down. Focus on your breathing, taking deep breaths in and out. Allow yourself to become aware of the Holy Spirit in and around you. Father, thank you for wanting to reconcile with me. Make me aware of your desire to draw close to me, for I long to meet with you in this quiet place. I can't do this without you. Grow in me a desire to seek reconciliation 
and highlight areas in my life where I am choosing hostility over peace. Forgive me when I get it wrong and walk side by side with me as I navigate the path towards reconciliation. Amen. Reconciliation isn't always easy and it is a two-way process. Hopefully this reflection has helped you to see afresh that God longs to reconcile the world to himself out of his great love for us. He went so far as to allow his son to hang on a cross that we might be reconciled to him. Reconciliation gives way to peace and his peace has the power to transform you from the inside out. Thanks so much for listening to this month's episode of the HTB Discipleship Podcast. We love hearing your thoughts. So as always, do let us know what you think about this podcast. And we'd love to hear some of your highlights from the Leadership Conference. So do send us an email, discipleship at htb.org. And until next time, we thank you for listening.